Ready, uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. Four, three, two, one. Looking up one day, enjoying the view across the way. Some big bright lights came flying by, a lot of whirling doodads in the sky. It's just imagination, but I saw them just the same. Now this sounds strange to you, I know, but take my word that it's really so. And as I looked up into the air, there were flying saucers everywhere. Just imagination, but I saw them just the same. Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side, as always, in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. And on this episode of Planet 8, your intrepid crew decided to take a deep dive and review our favorite science fiction television shows. Now, mind you, these are our personal favorites. It's not by any you know, um, thought or imagination that, that this is the definitive list of top science fiction shows. This is Larry, Karen, and Bob's favorite show straight away we're going to kick it up to the satellite karen why don't you go ahead and expound on this idea and concept and and we'll move on with the show then after that sure thanks larry so yeah you know we've done a lot of shows where we've done some lists and Mm -hmm. you know done top tens and things like that and uh, we started talking about you know what if we did science fiction shows and the thing is there's just so many and and we have so many um such a variety of interests seem like it might be a fun idea just to come up with what are our favorites and not stick a criterion on it like oh we have to come up with the best the ones that are most influential the ones that have the most longevity but just what are the ones that, you know, really resonate with us and that we've enjoyed, you know, at least at this point in time? I, I know personally, if you asked me maybe three months from now or a year from now, the list could be different. But at this point in time, you know, these are the and we limited it to 10 because we could just probably go on and on. But <laughs> these are like the 10 that are my favorites right now. And I think the same for you guys. Yes. Um, yeah, not except, necessarily. Except, uh, my, fa- my favorites are the best. sure bob we all know that um but yeah you know it's it's not necessarily the easiest job picking these i know we we went back and forth a bit on our lists Uh, i know for me personally that the top four or five were pretty much the same but boy i changed a lot of stuff in my six through ten so um yeah it was a lot of fun though i think trying to figure that out and we had some lively offline discussions about it and uh 
But I think hopefully the the listeners will enjoy hearing uh, all of the different shows we wound up putting on our lists, and maybe there will be some surprises. Oh, yeah. So, well, are we ready to to we, start naming? We are uh, ready. Okay, and I think I'm going first. Yes. So, my pick for number 10 is Westworld. Mm. And so, this was a show that... Um, Really uh, always engaged me, always made me think, was a little, you know, um, unique and different. I know we're going to talk about it uh, later on because it's also someone else's pick in a, in a uh, better slot. Uh, but I will just say that, uh, yeah, it was a surprising show to me, very, very deep in, into um, what I would think was almost like literary sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this and really needed to find a spot for it. It could have been much higher, but I felt like the first season was really great. The other seasons maybe not so great. So yeah. that's my pick for number 10. All righty. On yeah. to the I, chief. I was always kind of wondering on Westworld, like how can they take that movie and make it into a series, especially a multi-season series? How are you, how are you going to stretch that concept over however many years? Well, okay. oh. but I mean, I have the first <laughs> maybe two seasons on Blu-ray, but I just haven't watched it yet. Mm. I'll get to it. Though. Well, yeah, you'll you'll see what they do with it. It's really different from the original film, which I love the original film, especially because of Yul Brynner. But uh, they do a lot with the concept. Yeah, I thought Richard Benjamin would be the big attraction. <laughs> <laughs> so, is it my turn? It's it your is turn. your turn, Chief. All right, number 10. My 10th favorite sci-fi TV series is Firefly. Mm. This came out in 2002. Produced, created, directed, written by Joss Whedon, who was famous at the time for Buffy the Vampire Slayer and uh, Angel, and Tim Minier, who came over from the X-Files. So, pretty good pedigree. Say whatever you will about Joss Whedon. We're just looking at career. We're not looking at the man. But uh, <laughs> it took place in 2517. Hmm. And there's only two governments basically left, America and China. And they've combined to create the alliance. And this is really kind of a uh, a sci-fi Western type TV show. Long before The Mandalorian. Like I say, it was 2002. <laughs> and uh, Captain Malcolm uh, Reynolds, who was played by Nathan Fillion, leads a brigade of smugglers and rogues, and they go around the galaxy smuggling and stealing and doing whatever rogues do. <laughs> and uh, it was really, you know, it lasted like 11 episodes. Well, 11 episodes aired. There were 14 that were made. All 14 came out later on DVD. It didn't do all that well when it first aired, but when it came out on DVD, it did really well. In fact, well enough that Universal and Joss Whedon went ahead and did a movie based on the TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie was called Serenity. That came out in 2005. And there's a big group of fans out there called the Browncoats that... Uh, 
I think they just run around all the time trying to get it resurrected, but I don't think it will. So just enjoy it for what it is. It's about 14 episodes in a movie and uh, a lot of fun. Wow, just 14 episodes. Yeah, huh. crazy. Because uh, I knew it was one season. So I thought, oh, I must be like, I don't didn't quite remember. I'm like, yeah, it must be like 20, 24 episodes. Mm-hmm. And when I looked, it was like 14. And then I looked further and only 11 had aired. So it was kind of crazy. Well, yeah. And I, I give the brown coats credit because, you know, you go to convention and, you know, the 501st is there representing uh, Star Wars. There's various Star Trek clubs and, and the brown coats are always in the mix. So, um Okay, cool. So, uh, yours truly, your commander, picked the Twilight Zone as my number 10. And uh, even though it's an anthology and, and there are episodes that are horror episodes, there are episodes that are, you know, talking about um, the hereafter and, and everything in between, um, there were enough science fiction concepts and uh, episodes that that brought it to the list. I wish I could have moved it higher up on the list, like Bob and and Karen. I, I, we spent weeks going back and forth on what should be where, and and uh, at one point in time, it wasn't on the list. Um, but yeah, Rod Serling's Twilight Zone. We've talked about it before on the show. Um, yeah. I, I, I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. So let's move this along to uh, Karen. Back at you, buddy. Okay. I, the, the, only, the only thing I would say about Twilight Zone, it is one of those things where you could include it on a list of science fiction right. or horror or fantasy. Right. Because it has it all of those and yeah, it was kind of hard for me to decide, like, well, am I going to include it or am I going to wait until we do our fantasy <laughs> list or what are we going to do? So, yeah, it was a tough, tough pick. Um, my number nine is Space 1999. Oh, there's a theme there. Number I, nine. Yeah, yeah number nine. <laughs> I, I've become somewhat obsessed with this show in the last few months. <laughs> um, honestly, when I was a kid, I I watched it a little bit, but because I was such a smart-ass kid, I just, the whole concept that, you know, oh, the moon gets blown out of orbit and goes flying through space and they meet people in other solar systems. I was and that's just not realistic. So I couldn't, you know, I couldn't enjoy it Uh back then but uh yeah this this was a show that was on it had only two uh seasons it was on from 75 to 77 i have to say now that i've been watching it the first season the the two seasons are are night and day completely different because they were put together by different groups of people um including the second season was put together by producer fred freiberger who did the third season of star trek yeah that explains everything Exactly. So like the first season is like serious, kind of dystopian, you know, oppressive, like, oh, we're being blasted through space and we can't do anything about it. And these people are attacking us. What are we going to do? Everything is like very like 70s depressing. And then the second season is like, let's always end the episode with a laugh. 
You know, it, it's really weird, but it was seventies crack cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> let's go take a little snort and um, yeah, let's go behind the radioactive containment center and take a snort. It, it, but it's I really enjoyed watching it. It has some very nice effects. Um, you know, the eagle ship is on there they're beautiful those ships yeah. are really iconic yeah they're hard to beat so yeah i just i just really uh have taken a liking to it and that's that's about all i can say about it cool well yeah, the, I, I the, will thing, say- the, the thing i really remember about space 1999 was the fact that star trek was big in syndication at that point right. Mm-hmm. And Paramount and then and everyone Roddenberry they were all talking about well we're going to do a TV show now we're going to do a movie now we'll do we'll start a network with a TV show yep. and while they were doing all that Jerry Anderson and Sylvia Anderson snuck right in with Space 1999 and kind of filled that gap of people wanting you know I've seen Some- all those Star Trek episodes a dozen times I need something new and there's nothing new mm-hmm. on Star Trek yet and yeah this one came and filled the void yeah. yeah. It kind of, um, in a way, it makes me, by seeing Space 1999, it makes me glad that there wasn't a Star Trek television show in the 70s, because I don't know if they would have been able to have that sort of optimistic Star Trek approach, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) The 70s were often marked with, you know... A cynical age. Cynical, yes. After Watergate in Vietnam, yeah. So... Maybe maybe it's just a good thing things worked out the way they did. Yeah, I, I have started watching, uh, and so many things in my life, uh, Walker has uh, influenced uh, <laughs> some of my uh, TV and, and movies and, and just ideas and, and concepts in, in life. And um, the jury's out on this one, though, kids. <laughs> 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 Three episodes in, and I'm I'm like depressed. So, um, we'll, we'll, you we'll have to that. be in a certain frame of mind to watch Space 1999. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I love the the Eagle one. Those those spaceships are very cool. So on to our chief engineer, Bob, number well, nine, number nine, number nine, number nine, number nine. I had the outer limits. Oh, good one. And, uh, you know, I'm really thankful for The Outer Limits because it got us like 24,000 likes on, uh, <laughs> uh, on YouTube. <laughs> I didn't even Champion. That. It, it's right. the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> I think we should hashtag every episode, Outer Limits. But, uh, you know, we'll, and we'll talk one. about it more later because I think somebody else has it on their list a little higher. But Righto. Righto. I just loved the atmosphere, the whole atmosphere, the writing, the stories, uh, the music by Dominic Frontieri and Harry Lubin. Of course, mm-hmm. Vic Perrin as the control voice. It's mm-hmm. just, uh, as soon as Vic Perrin starts telling you that they're taking control of your television set, you're glued for an hour. That's it. You can't leave. So, uh, so yeah, number nine was Outer Limits. And uh, like I say, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into it more later or you can go back and listen to uh, our Outer Limits episode and add to that 24,000 count. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, number nine on my list was The X-Files. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this wasn't as varied as The Twilight Zone, but there were some episodes that were very uh, 
uh, oriented towards the the overall mythology of X Files as alien abductions and um, you know life on on other worlds and. And then there's conspiracies and, and government. And then you just had a really good monster of the week kind of episode. Tombs right. is one of the favorites that I have, you know. Um, uh, tombs and the fluke. Always that's love the fluke. fluke. Yeah. <laughs> Jazz hasn't seen that episode yet. But oh, you know, I, man. She'll never want to go to the bathroom again. <laughs> <laughs> Not I ran, the body. I ran a little uh, poll on Twitter asking people which was creepier, Tombs or, or the fluke. And Tombs won by like a mile. Oh, well, there you go. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny because you know, in my in my real life, I do all these like audiovisual installs and things, and whenever I have to like crawl under a table or through a ceiling <laughs> tile or something, I always say, "Oh, I'm going to go in tombs of this thing." <laughs> Sometimes people get it. Some people just kind of look at me like I'm batshit crazy, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I still use the the term tombs. From time to time. The, one, the ones who know, know. That's right. If you know, you know. That's how you this tell is, if they're cool or not. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of those episodes that um, shows up higher uh, on on other list or lists. And However, so, well, if people want to stay tuned, coming up next month, we're going to do a whole episode on the X-Files. We we well, that's are right. Indeed. We are indeed. So uh, so if you feel cheated during this episode on your X Files fix, oh, you just wait. <laughs> <laughs> I think the X Files is going to be like our our Planet of the Eight episodes, where you know we have like every six months or a year we have like <laughs> episode dealing with because there there's a lot. What was it? Eleven seasons, Bob? Yeah, counting Both the two with, well, like new seasons that. We're on. It was nine in the original run. Okay. And then years later, they came out with a season 10, and years and then they came out with a season or a nine and then a 10. Plus, yeah. we had a couple movies in there. A couple so, movies. Yeah. Okay. A lot to cover. So, I, we were going to yeah. cover it in chunks. Yeah, we, yeah. And, but we'll, we'll get, we'll wet your whistles, uh, on, on our uh, top 10 show today. Uh, it, it'll come up again. Trust me. Uh, let's move on to our number eight picks. Uh, Walker, take it away. Well, I've got an, another pick that is relatively recent. I've, I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I am completely alone in, in watching this show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't and think it been, made it either Larry or mine list. And uh, it's been it's already been canceled. I'm talking about Raised by Wolves. Oh my! This is a, a show that was on HBO. Yep. Um, really notable because it was produced, and the first two episodes were directed by Ridley Scott. And um, this show took place far in the future. It was after um, Earth had been pretty much um, made uninhabitable by a war between two powers. One was an atheist faction, and the other was this religious faction uh, called the Mithraic. And it centered on these two androids who had been programmed, reprogrammed to take care of these um, embryos, which they uh, raised into children, although unfortunately they all the children uh, died except one. 
And uh, so I guess they weren't that good at it. Um, <laughs> they weren't so much raised, but. <laughs> but uh, there, there was just a lot going on. It was really dense uh, science fiction. Again, like uh, this was a show where I would watch it. And then for a few days afterwards, I would be thinking about different things that happened in the show. And, you know, questions about like androids and consciousness and you know, using, using these machines to do these things. And, and, um, it also looked really cool. It had really beautiful design work on it. Um, had some amazing visuals and special effects with like these gigantic starships. Um, it was just a really neat show. I'm really sad that they canceled it because it didn't come to any kind of real conclusion. Um, Maybe someday we'll get a movie or something to wrap it up. But a uh, really interesting show, and I continue to recommend it. Well, God bless you, my friend, because <laughs> if you think 1999, Space 1999 was kind of dystopian, and, you know, when the when the mother android lost her mind and started, uh, I just, I don't know. I remember you did try to watch it. I did. I did. I know. It's one of those, uh, well, but anyway, you liked it it's on your list, <laughs> and, and that list. is a good, good thing. on you. Yes, and, and <laughs> we'll, we'll move on to Bob's number eight. Take it away, Chief. Uh, yes, Karen continues to carry the torch. <laughs> and speaking of carrying torches, my number eight pick is Torchwood. I see what you did there. That's right. <laughs> a British show from the BBC... In fact, the first three seasons, I think, like season one was on BBC One and season two was on BBC Two and three was on BBC Three. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth season was sort of an American-British co-production and ended up on Stars. So it actually had more of an adult theme, but the entire mm -hmm. series is pretty, pretty adult in nature. It was on from 2006 until 2011. And uh, basically followed Captain Jack Harkness, and uh, he was played by John Barrowman. And he led, basically, the group Torchwood, and they were basically like alien hunters. And they would go out on different adventures. And, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing about it is uh, Captain Jack Harkness originally appeared on a TV show that everyone's going to be disappointed we don't have in our top 10. <laughs> Doctor Who. That's right. In fact, it's funny because if you if you uh, write out Doctor Who, like not abbreviated, but it's Doctor Who, and you mix up the letters, you can make Torchwood. So it's kind of... Oh, a, huh. Yeah. So they're based in Cardiff, and uh, each episode they go after various aliens that are appearing, you know, popping up on earth. And, uh, again, it's, it's kind of adult themed and, uh, very interesting. Some episodes are incredibly dark. And, uh, again, the stars season, season four, uh, really pushes the envelope on it, but it's a, a, a really good show. If you get a chance, definitely look it up and check it out. Excellent. Uh, okay, my number eight, Westworld. And, hey, I've uh, heard of that. Yeah. 
So we all love the the Richard Benjamin uh, Yul Brenner movie Westworld. Uh, what was the second film called? Future World. Future, Future World. World. Yeah. Not, and that was not nearly so good. Not nearly so good, but it is interesting. Um, anyway, so uh, you know this this TV series had uh, you know a couple of big name actors, uh, Anthony uh, Anthony Hopkins, right? Right. Um, it, 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 so the, the similarity with the with the movie was that you could go to this amusement park for adults and live out a wild west fantasy. You could be a good guy, a bad guy, and there were um, programmers and and developers, and it, it was kind of like you know the whole concept of a video game, but with these replicants or androids. Uh, going around, but then, you know, they become self-aware and, you know, there's, there's a, this, was that like a Silicon heaven or something that they would right. fire to, to, to reach? And, um, it, it was a very, like Karen said, the first season was very engaging. Um, you know, there were some scenes though, that were just hard to watch, you know, the, the repetitive nature of, of, um, I can't think of the bad guy's name, but he would, you know, just beat the heck out of this one. Oh, Ed Harris's character. Ed Harris, yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, and then she becomes self-aware and, and, you know, starts a revolution for the, for the androids. Um, it, one of the fun things though, is that you're, you're watching this and you're like, Oh, this developer, this human. And it's like, Oh, nope, they're not human. Mm -hmm. They are in fact an Android. And you're like, Whoa, okay. That was a nice little twist. Um, what did it go? Four seasons, Karen? It went four seasons. Oh. It went from 2016 to what, 2022? It might have had like a year off here and there. Maybe um, one year because of the pandemic, but yeah. last year it, it ended. And, you know, there was a, a season where they went to feudal Japan and, and then they enter uh, the world of today, which is like 100 years from now. It's not our today. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was just a very interesting, well-paced um, series, and it's too bad that they're not going to have that last season to wrap things up. Although yeah. I will say, I have to rewatch the last five episodes of the fourth season because I, I I couldn't understand everything. That well, was, I, I think that's kind of the thing with it. it. It's both fascinating and frustrating. Yeah, you know, fascinating in that there's a lot of concepts and things flying around, and you sort of think you you get it, but then it's frustrating because at different points I know I would find myself going, "Whoa, wait a minute, what? What's happening now? Or what? Where are they? What? Who's who's what?" And I'd have to go back and rewatch things. It certainly was never a show where you could sit there and play on your phone. Right, <laughs> you had to give it your full attention. Um, yeah, it's really too bad because they had planned like, okay, we're going to wrap everything up in the, the fifth season. And you wondered like, for me, like wondering like, okay, so now sort of the, the androids and the humans have come to a place where, you know, the androids had been on top for a while. Now, are they going to have some sort of, I don't know, um, are they going to be able to work things out? to some sort of equality or how is it going to work, you know, and we'll, unless we get some 
a new series or a movie or something. I guess we'll never know. Something out of it. Yeah, the oppressed become the oppressors. Right. And and there's a role reversal because the oppressors then become, you know, the oppressed. Um, yeah, and, and one of the fun things to watch is that um, the Bernard character and his yeah. self-awareness uh, was, was interesting. But moving forward, we're going to go to our number seven pick. Um, and we're going back to Karen. Well, number seven also has an interesting connection to my number seven because my number seven is Blake's seven. <laughs> hey, did it again. I, it was not intentional, but maybe subconscious. Um, Blake's seven was an interesting British show um, put on by the BBC from 1978 to 1981. It had a distinctly sort of punk rock feel to it. Not in the, the sense of the designs or anything, but just the feel of the show. Um, I remember watching it. I think we got it on our PBS station. We got a lot of British shows on our PBS station back then. And um, I was a, a teenager at the time. And the thing that was appealing was it all it was all about rebellion. Um, these were basically criminals who had a high-powered spaceship. It was an alien spaceship. This all took place far in the future. And they were rebelling against a totalitarian government. Um, and so they had all these adventures and, uh, you know, things, all kinds of craziness would ensue. And, and there were interesting characters on the show. And probably the most, um, the character that stood out the most was this guy named Avon. And Avon was like a, a tech genius. And he was sort of like if you were playing, if he was a Dungeons and Dragons character, he he might have been like, I don't know, neutral evil or something, because he was always looking out for himself. But then he would occasionally help other people. Um, so it was a very interesting show in that it was definitely not, you know, Star Trek was people on a ship doing having adventures, but these were a bunch of like bad folks who sometimes would do good things, but sometimes would, you know, go out and rob people or, you know, they were always being uh, chased by the, the government. The government was bad, too. It was kind of hard to figure out, like, well, who is, like, the good guy? Or maybe it's, like, the lesser right. of two evils, sort of. Right. So anyway... It was it was a fun show, and I remember just thinking um, that at the time it was something I had never seen before. And I've tried to to find a good collection that I could watch, but unfortunately, um, I don't think there's been a, the correct region disc put out. Um, I'd have to get one of those players where I could play any regions. So I have an not open region it. player. No, no, I do not. So. All That's right. like standard equipment in this type of fandom. Well, I guess I'll have to look into what kind of investment that would be. So. All right. Well, moving on. Chief Engineer Bob, your number seven pick is... Number seven pick for me. And I was commenting at the beginning of the show or before the show that I originally thought when we proposed this that we'd have a bunch of old 60s shows and, you know, We'd be looked upon as the old crew. But 
Number seven is The Mandalorian, which is uh, actually uh, a current uh, uh. TV show. Started in 2019, created by Jon Favreau, taking place uh, five years after Return of the Jedi. And, I uh, believe so. Starring Pedro Pascal as The Mandalorian. And also, he's got his little puppet with him, <laughs> Grogu slash <laughs> Baby Yoda. But uh, a lot of fun. I know we did an episode on it, and we have it coming up in somebody else's list uh, after this. So in trying yep. to keep the episode under five hours, um, I'll just say that <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I love the half-hour format. I think it makes things move around without a lot of padding. It's got a nice, quick pace to it. A lot of very interesting, and the Mandalorian definitely saved Boba Fett when he came in <laughs> for a couple episodes and <laughs> and just saved the show from no kidding from a long lingering death. So, so that was my number seven. <laughs> interesting because my number seven is Boba Fett. No, just kidding. <laughs> interestingly enough, I don't think Boba Fett made it on anybody's list. <laughs> Uh, my number seven is the six million dollar man, Steve Austin. <laughs> the whole concept of bionics, and that to this day, that has the best intro of any series, hand down. Um, plus, it had kids running around the playground in slow motion. Oh man, you know. I don't know if it was my birthday or, or Christmas, but I got some uh, socks with bionics uh, painted on them, and, and it had six million dollar man. And I put those suckers on, -na 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 -na, run around the block. But um, if you have not had the opportunity to watch the six million dollar man, kids, I highly recommend it. You know, the science fiction part of it was the bionics, but hey, he he ran into missions where he. He met aliens, and a matter of fact, Bigfoot was built by aliens. And well, I digress. I don't want to spoiler alert there for for those of you who haven't watched it. But it is a great, great series. Um, it had a number of episodes. Lee Majors was a star, and um, if if you watch closely enough, one of the episodes will have his then wife, Farrah Fawcett Majors. Um, and I'll leave it on that. Let's move our list on. Well, to it even had William Shatner in an episode. It did have William. There were a lot of guests. And, that, the, and the omnipresent uh, John Saxon was in another episode. It was in yeah. probably my favorite episode. Yeah, he, I, there you go, Bob. So, yes. Was John Saxon one of the ones where they take the face off and he had the robot underneath? Yeah. Yeah, he was like a bionic, not a bionic double, but he was like it's another scientist had made a bionic man and he was, mm. and it just so happened to be like one of Steve Austin's best friends. Yeah. How terrible. Yes. It was drama. It was a good one. Bionics. But let us move on to number six. Karen, take it away. All right. Well, at the sixth position, and this might shock some people, um, I put Star Trek, the okay. next generation. There has to be some kind of election fraud going on. <laughs> I can't imagine Star Trek not being in the top five of Walker's top ten list. But, you know, 
so the the, the reason and it, and it appears on another list at a, a better pole position so i will not go into much detail but um the thing is is i do like next gen it's not my favorite star trek it's my third favorite star trek I know, but the the thing is, is I, and there were a lot of good stories in Next Gen. You know, the crew overall is just a little bland at times. You know, I I hate to say it, but it, it in rewatching, um, you know, and it, part of that is that whole Roddenberry edict of, you know, everybody has to get along and they they don't have any arguments, they don't fight. I mean, if you watch this and then watch like Deep Space Nine, it's like holy cow, one is like oatmeal and the other is like you know, a juicy like enchilada or something. It's just they, they're so different, man. Well, they, they did have that one doctor like in the first season that did nothing but rag on Data all the time. Oh, and I so thought like they were a- trying to capture sort of the McCoy-Spock dynamic but she just like took it way too far and they ended up kicking her off and they threw her out the airlock. Yeah. Get her Dr. Out. Pulaski. Yeah. And the second season, well, and there's a whole story behind why Gates McFadden left and came back and, but we don't need to go there, but well, they, yeah, they took it too far. They, and the thing is, it was well, like, let's, let's move let's on. Wait until we'll, we'll, yeah, let's, let's, we'll, we'll get back to it. Very we'll engaging to it. Uh, conversation. But uh, let, let's move over to Bob's number six pick. Bob's number six pick is actually the series that came before Karen's pick of Space 1999, and that would be Jerry Anderson UFO. Uh, Ooh, I wanted from, to put that on my list. Yeah, it was one season from 1970 to 71, and it centered around the organization Shadow, and their battle against an alien invasion. Ed Bishop and Michael Billingston were basically the stars of the show, and they played Ed Straker and Paul Foster, heads of a movie studio. And underneath this movie studio was the organization's shadow. And they had a moon base with with women with purple hair, and they had an underground <laughs> or underwater sub base. Oh, and, it was it was a great show, really. And, you know, Jerry and Sylvia Anderson had done Journey to the Far Side of the Sun, the movie. Before that, they were doing all the Super Marionation puppet shows. So once they did Journey to the Far Side of the Sun, they got a taste of, like, working with actual actors on a set. And that's when they went on to do UFO. Uh-huh. And UFO was supposed to go on for another season, but Sir Lou Grade... And ITC said, no, we want you to do another science fiction show, but we don't want it to take place on Earth. And that's when they got the idea of, well, it'll take place on the moon. And we'll blow the moon out of orbit, and they'll be nowhere near Earth. So, uh, uh, UFO, like I say, a lot of fun. And Ed Bishop and Michael Billingston both have a Bond connection. (laughs) Michael Billingston basically played Barbara Bach's boyfriend at the beginning of Spy Who Loved Me. And he's the one that goes after Bond on the skis and chases him down the slope and the big gunfight and everything. And then uh, Ed Bishop was in Diamonds Are Forever. If you remember, uh, Bond went in masquerading as a guy who was checking everybody's radioactive badges. And when he leaves, the actual person he was 
he was basically impersonating comes in, you know, I'm here to check the badges. Well, that was, uh, that was Ed Bishop. So shadow UFO. That was my, uh, my sixth favorite. And, uh, a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. Very cool. You know, I kept moving that in and out of the list in the tenth spot because I really wanted to include it, but it didn't. It didn't make my cut. But yeah, it, I I really love that show, especially the visuals, the design, and everything on that show is just great. Well, you know, it's funny because it's like I look at it, it's like, all right, if I made a top ten, I could always just go with. A bunch of Jerry Anderson shows like UFO Space 1999 and Fireball XL5 and Thunderbirds and Stingray and Supercar and blah, 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 blah. But uh, no, I just kept it down to UFO. There you go. All right. Number six. Uh, my number six pick was Andor. I mean, Mandalorian. Sorry. Mandalorian. Bob had that as his number seven. And you know, kids. We did do an episode on on Mando. Season three is coming up in March. So um, you want to hear about my man tears and uh, and all that good stuff to find our Mandalorian episode. I'm going to move this along to our number. We're we're breaking the number five. Uh, Unless you guys wanted to mention something about Mando real quick. Love Mando. But yeah, we can uh, we Mm -hmm. can talk to him, talk about him at length. Once yep. we get into season three and we start watching exactly. that. Yep. Okay, cool. Excited for season three. Looking forward to it. So we're breaking the number five threshold. Ooh. Karen, why don't you introduce your number five pick? Okay. Number five. And I have no number five in the title. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. Um, number five is it a show. Five, right? What? What? It couldn't have been Babylon Five. It could have, but I don't care for that show, so <laughs> so it's not. Um, it's another show that I've I've mentioned a couple of times here on the podcast. Uh, a little show that aired on Fox back in 1995, 1996, was canceled, sadly, ran one season with about uh, 20-some episodes. Let me see. I'll look on the computer. Look it up on the computer. It was 23 episodes. Ah. Uh, space, space Above and Beyond. Um, and this was created uh, by Glenn Morgan and James Wong, who had been on the X-Files, so some really good writers. And this was really all about um, a war in space between uh, human human forces and alien forces. And so we follow this team of Marines, and this is, they actually said it not very far ahead. It was 2063. Um, we follow this, this uh, you know, platoon or whatever. Sorry, I don't know all my military stuff. Um, <laughs> as they, they battle these alien forces uh, that are known as the Chigs, which I assume is a kind of a slang term, um, and defend uh, Earth. And I just really enjoyed it because I thought it was a very human, naturalistic portrayal of what it would be like to be in war and especially how war would affect these young people um, as they had to take lives and do a lot of things that were really difficult and not 
not a lot of fun. So anyway, hi, another one I highly recommend for, for folks out there. Cool, cool, cool. Moving it over to Bob. Number five. Number five. Well, you know, I said I didn't want to do a bunch of Jerry Anderson shows in my top ten. But number five is another Jerry Anderson show. And that is, out of all the Super Marionation series, my top favorite would have to be Captain Scarlet and the Misterons. And it's just an amazing show. I just got to say it's amazing. It's basically the Misterons have a regenerative ability. And what they do is they come down and... They kill people and then take their identities as yeah as they regenerate. Well, Captain Scarlet gets killed, gets taken over, and uh, he regains his memory. So now he's an Earthman again. But dun 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 dun, he is indestructible. Hell. So the greatest thing about this is at the end of every episode, he's in some battle or he's in some peril and he gets killed he gets killed like at the end of every episode and then hey he's back because he regenerates so um a lot of fun basically uh also earth seems to be the bad guys because they take a mission up to mars where the mysterons have a base and they mistaken a communication device for a weapon and they fire on the base and start this interplanetary war and uh so the organization Spectrum is basically Earth's defense against the Mysterons. And being Spectrum, of course, all the agents are like Captain Scarlet, Captain Blue, Lieutenant huh. Green, you know, Commander White. So, um, but great show. Keep it, keep it brief and uh, check it out. Okay, cool. Uh, my number five is a uh, British science fiction show slash comedy. Um, before I name the title, I will recommend that you watch the season three episode called Backwards. Uh, I'm talking about Red Dwarf. Uh, if you have not read Dwarf, you are depriving yourself of one of the greatest pleasures. <laughs> um, this tells, uh, uh, you know, there's this uh, mining ship called the Red Dwarf, and it's, you know, Far out in, in space, and uh, Dave Lister turns out to be the last human alive in the galaxy. And I won't get into, you know, how that happened. You have to watch the show. Um, the computer, the AI on the ship wants to keep him sane. And so rather than making a holographic companion of his best friend or his girlfriend, uh, Holly is the name of the uh, AI, and Holly has gone insane because Holly's been alone for like <laughs> a million years. And um, Holly cre- recreates Dave's uh, not like enemy, but his his an antagonist, Arnold Rimmer, and and it's a holographic version of him. Um, the cat that Dave Lister had smuggled on the ship had evolved over the millions of years, the cat people, and they'd since left the ship. But this one cat remains in the skies in the form of a human, and he's all prissy and proper, and it's just it's hilarious. They, the first two or three seasons, there's no android. They they come upon Crichton 
there's a distress call and uh, it's, it's just, it's hilarious. Uh, it's gone on for like 10 or 11 seasons on various forms of the BBC. Um, I, I really, really uh, wish you guys would check it out. If you do, let me know what you think. Um, we're going to kick this thing into gear. We're going into number four. Karen, what is your number four? Should pick? Karen and I say this in unison? <laughs> uh, you want to do yeah. it on the count of three? Yeah, Actually, on the count of three, because it's on both your lists at number four. One. Are we gonna wait? Are we gonna say the, or are we just gonna yeah, say? We'll say the. Okay. Okay. One, two, three. The the X Files. Nicely done. <laughs> um. And again, yeah, we're gonna be guys. doing a a nice big juicy X Files episode soon. We are. We're gonna. Be- we are. So we can but, probably. But Karen, what was it about the X-Files that made you put it at number four? You know, well, I have been rewatching it and it made me remember like how much I loved this show when it came out. And I think the the reason I loved it so much was growing up, I had been, well, me and my brother, we had both been really fascinated with UFOs. Um, You know, we had, uh, we grew up near a, a, Air Force Base, and they launched missiles all the time. And we would hear stories from different people who had been around the base about, you know, they saw UFOs out there and stuff. And and that started to kind of ignite the interest. But also, um, back in the 70s, there were just a lot of UFO stories going around. You know, oh, there was yeah. the Pascagoula and the Hills. and Well, the Hills were 60s, but there was UFO stuff all the time. And so, you know, I was always reading UFO books and all this stuff. So then when the X-Files came on, it was like, oh, yeah, these people obviously like know all about this stuff. And I kind of felt like it, it validated a lot of the stuff I had been reading when I was a kid. And it was just cool to see them uh, dramatize it. You know, plus I loved the story, the personalities of Mulder and Scully, you know, and how they got along and they worked together and everything. Um, I have to say once like Mulder disappeared, most of my interest <laughs> also disappeared because it just didn't feel right. I felt like the show was really about Mulder and Scully. Hey, I, um, I love Robert Patrick, but yeah, when he came in, it's almost like they reversed the roles because he, he and his partner, he was the one that didn't believe, but he didn't have a scientific background like like uh, Jillian Anderson's uh, Mm -hmm. Scully did. So he was just, he just didn't believe because he didn't believe. And again, you could, much like the early episodes of the X-Files, you could hit him over the head with an alien and he still wouldn't believe that it was there. Yeah. So he was was just way too cynical and non-believing and, yeah. Let's save all that juicy stuff about Reyes and and Agent uh, Scully and... Doggett. And you dog it, and yeah. So, uh, my number four pick was the Ron Moore version of Battlestar Galactica. And, uh, man, oh man. I was wondering which version that was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hadn't, I hadn't uh, specified, but um, Edward James Olamos as Adama and uh, yeah, the whole crew. I mean... The way that they were artistically able to utilize the word frack, 
<laughs> like the original 70s version was just amazing. Um, they, they, you know, what they did with the Cylons was was fantastic. They uh, Cylons had uh, the ability; they evolved, and, and there were like human versions of of, of Cylons and. And they had infiltrated the crew, and then there was, you know, the final seven or six or whatever. Um, there was religion, you know, where, mm-hmm. where the Cylons were religious, and and it was the humans who still worshipped the the gods Apollo and Zeus and Athena, and and the Cylons would talk about the one true God. Um, you know, Battlestar, I think, for me personally, suffered the same fate as Lost, where. They wrote such a good show with such interesting characters that you invested so much of your time and and they they just didn't know how to end it. Yeah. Um, I, I if if it was me, I would have ended it with the season three cliffhanger where they they reach Earth. And and they reach a, a nuclear apocalypse version of Earth. We had destroyed the planet. And here were the last remnants of humanity. And and it was like, because that was, you know, the whole thing. There was some hope. There was always hope. But, oh, man. It should, it should have been the, that whole thing, like the hope you looked for was you or whatever. Yeah, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, see, at that base. point, it could have gone off into a ta- tangent and remade like Galactica 1980. <laughs> motorcycles that's what they need more motorcycles that, that, that make anyone's list by the way i don't know such mm-hmm. an abomination um anyway i could go on and on about battlestar but it's not on anybody else's list so let's cut to number three <laughs> number uh, three Aaron, taking us into the top three my number three is that spicy enchilada oh, star yeah. trek deep space nine yep now this is going to show up momentarily <laughs> on another list. You think. <laughs> so we'll talk about it more, but I have to say I really, really love this show. I wish they would make an upgraded version on uh, Blu-ray because mm-hmm. it's hard to look at uh, in standard def, but I do watch it. Pluto TV has it now. If you guys get Pluto, it looks pretty good. Yeah. Um. But it's such a wonderful show, and it has struggled. You know, people haven't always... I think it's finally starting to get the respect it deserves. Uh, Such a wonderful, deep show that brings in... Like you were talking about religion, politics, um, family issues. You know, Captain Sisko had a son. Well, hold on, buddy. Let's let's say... Yes, we'll say it. We'll we'll, we'll move into it in just a moment. But yes. I feel your passion, buddy. I feel your passion. Love the show. Let's take away, uh, take it away to uh, Chief Engineer Bob. Your number three pick is Star Trek, not Deep Space Nine, not Next Generation, the original Star Trek. <laughs> no bloody and people a. are probably yeah, out there going. People are out there going. What? You mean there are two series that are better than Star Trek? <laughs> yes, but anyway. <laughs> well, hey, I, you know, I grew up with Star Trek. You know, I was going, I was a Trekkie. I went to all those Star Trek conventions back when there was only one series. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I just loved it over the years. And, uh, so I did make number three, but, uh, okay. yeah, it has the perfect ensemble crew. I think if you look at Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, 
I think many, many TV shows try to recreate that camaraderie or that type of character interaction, interplay, friendship, unsuccessfully, I must say. But uh, they just kind of hit lightning in a bottle with uh, with the original. Well, hang on to those thoughts, Bob. We'll be talking more Star Trek in a little bit. Um, my number three is Star Trek The Next Generation. There you go. And, uh, you know, yeah, I, I know a lot of people are – look, when The Next Generation first came out, I was in the camp – uh, you know, we have an original series. What the hell are you guys doing? And I refuse to watch the entire first season of The Next Generation. <laughs> uh, you know, there was a, a convention I was watching or they asked Shatner, why did you guys steal The Next Generation's theme song for the motion picture? And Shatner's like, they stole the theme song from us. You know, that's our motion picture music. And if you listen, this is interesting. If you listen to the motion picture soundtrack and you listen to that dun, 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 dun. it's very slow it's it's meant to convey emotion and and when they move it to the next generation they sped it up so it's almost like a benny hill version of basically but um such great great stories with with the character of data i've talked about this before and uh, and, you know, we should really do a next generation episode. I think we've done a couple of, you know, here's our favorite episodes of the original series and stuff. Yeah, we, it's probably time we should. Yeah, because, um, you know, Karen and I can go on and on and on about the next generation, but we still have to get to our number two pick. So, Karen, any last thoughts on the next gen? I know you were getting into uh, this is more of like a sorbet than an enchilada for you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still I, I, I love Next Generation and I think there are plenty of great episodes. Now, I am excited, even though I detested seasons one and two of Picard, um, I've heard that <laughs> I, I you know, I tell it like I, how oh, I feel. Yeah. That's I just how it I feel about it. wasn't on your top it. ten list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would have known I had been like absorbed if like my top 10 had been like Picard, Star Trek, Discovery. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, what I've heard, though, I've heard very good things from people who have seen the third season of Picard, which is by a different showrunner, Terry Metalis. And, you know, they're bringing back the the next generation crew. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm, I I got fingers crossed for this, you know. I, I had heard good things about Star Trek Nemesis, I'm just saying. So <laughs> <laughs> Up your shaft. Up your shaft. Um Yeah, let's let's uh let's do a next gen episode uh after we get through the X Files. I'm uh, I'm up. It's it's a lot of uh a lot of seasons to get into, but uh, let's move this along. Let me see. Next Generation. That was my number three. Karen. Number two. Number two. The mighty number two. Yes. Let's, don't, don't let go, son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been a long day. Oh, yeah. Let me say, this appeared earlier on Bob's list. It's an excellent pick. It is the Outer Limits. And I'm not talking about anything that was made later on. I'm talking about the original series that was made from 63 to 65. 
the product of Leslie Stevens and Joseph Stefano. Um, I just, I just love this show. Um, I feel like so much of what I think of as science fiction concepts really came to me from this show, you know, and the beauty of this, of Outer Limits was, yeah, they could have like a really freaky looking monster or alien on it, but that monster or alien might be more moral or more humane than the human beings in the show, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, just some wonderful storytelling in these episodes. I sure wish we had gotten another season, but I'm thankful for the the two seasons we did get. Um, amazing stuff, you know. Everybody thinks of the episodes like the Xanti Misfits, uh, Demon with a Glass Hand. You know, there's some really well-known ones. Tourist uh, Trap. Tourist Trap. You know, there's all kinds of ones. People, and sometimes you remember it for the story. Sometimes you remember it for the, the shock of what the creature looked like. But, um, yeah, it's just definitely one of my guideposts for why I got into science fiction. And and again, definitely check out our uh, Outer Limits episode, uh, as Bob <laughs> alluded to uh, earlier. But, Bob, it was on your list as well. Yes, it was. Just not as high. But, Any comments? Yeah, well, you know, I think I said stuff before, but no, I mean, I think as far as a science fiction anthology show, I think it had the best writing. You know, of course, Twilight Zone had the classic Rod Serling writing in it, but I think uh, Outer Limits was more kind of hardcore science fiction in its concepts and its writing. And, uh, you know, I was trying to think if Outer Limits had any like humorous episodes in it. I don't think it did. It was pretty much serious I throughout. I think there might have been one or two. I know there was the one where the aliens kept rewinding time with the yeah, there was that yeah. There was that one. Um huh? I don't know if there was another. But, but I think it it stayed pretty serious in tone. Mm-hmm. And I always enjoyed it. Back then, you know, now I love Twilight Zone, but back then I liked Outer Limits better just for the watching aliens and creatures and things that showed up in the show in the show. Indeed. It's a good pick. Um, it, it, you know, it, it was on my list and, and off and, you know, next time we'll have to do a top 50. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But moving right along. My number two. Wouldn't that oh, be wait a minute. My number oh. two. Bob's got a, Number two. two. Sorry, Bob. Yes. You're in such a hurry to get to the next Star Trek. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My number two, and I'm surprised no one had it on their list, was the classic, speaking of beasts and monsters and aliens, Lost in Space. And yes, I did put it above Star Trek. Not saying that it's a better show, just that it is more of a favorite of mine. And uh, I just always love watching Lost in Space, whether it's the first season that's very serious and somber and Dr. Smith is trying to kill Professor Robinson in just about every episode and things, even into the goofy vegetable rebellions 
and <laughs> space, you know, motorcycle hippies and well, yeah, whatever else you have. But um, it's just, you know, the show is a lot of fun. It went three seasons. Um, I think what happened was like the second season got a little too much into Will and Dr. Smith and the robot. And then mm-hmm. season three, they kind of came back a little bit and they brought like Don and Professor Robinson and that kind of back into the series a little more, uh, culminating in the excellent episode, The Antimatter Man, which if uh, you've never seen it, check it out in season three where you have the evil Professor Robinson and the evil Don oh, West yeah. trying to cross over into our dimension. And uh, they even have an evil robot that uh, did, uh, is pretty funny. Did one of them wear a goatee, or how did we know they were evil? Uh, Doc, well, Don West had a scar. Oh, okay. And they had the black and white uniforms, which, you know, when they, once they captured Professor Robinson, he had to... Switch uniforms with the evil uh, Dr. Robinson, but I remember watching that one for our Lost in Space episode, which yes, we did do a Lost in Space episode. Now, I will say, going back to Battlestar Galactica, the new Battlestar Galactica was an excellent remake of the original series, and in keeping with that, the Netflix Lost in Space Ah. is an excellent remake of the original show. It's not the same tone it's got some changes but it is a very good series so if you don't want to go back and look at the 1960s lost in space check out the netflix lost in space and uh i think you'll like that one indeed one of the coolest robots in a tv series uh lost in space the b9 robot um okay now my number two pick uh Q Star Trek theme song for Deep Space Nine. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, this is the series that had some grit of, of uh, difference between the next generation and Deep Space Nine. Benjamin Sisko, uh, series lead, was a commander, not even a captain. He's assigned to Deep Space Nine space station, which you know is, is a station that was run by. Cardassians and, and, you know, it's a, by a planet, uh, uh, Bajor. And it was almost like the, the, an occupation, like, like the, um, Palestinians and yeah, I mean, there was like, and then they brought in the, uh, religious aspect of it and such a deep show with, with such good stories, real good writing. Um, Karen, go ahead. Uh, give us a few words on on your love of Deep Space Nine. Well, I, I think the thing about it was that um, they were able to take those characters in places that, like, Next Gen couldn't, where, you know, it was more akin to the original Star Trek, where, you know, the characters didn't always get along. They didn't always agree on what was the right thing to do. And that, you know, heightened the, the drama and the conflict. Um, and you had really well-defined characters, you know. In, in the same space station, we had the Starfleet officers, and we had uh, Kira, who was the Bajoran uh, liaison. liaison. You had Quark, who 
uh, was the Ferengi bartender who was always causing some kind of trouble behind the scenes. You know, Garrick was a Cardassian who was still on the station, and it was always kind of like, is he a spy? What right. is he doing there? It was always mysterious. And then Klingons coming and going, and, right. you know, it, there was always this mix of people, and they all had their own, uh, you know, goals and, and beliefs and stuff. So it was fascinating you know, the way they could bring together all these different people and, and tell stories around them. I think they went a little askew. It's funny when you're talking about Battlestar and Lost. And I think the seventh season with the paw race stuff was a little unnecessary. Yeah, yeah um, I agree with you on that. But, you know, overall, I felt that this was sort of the richest, most complex of all the Star Trek series. I agree. Um, what I can't remember the name of the episode, but you know, a lot of people say, "Well, Kirk was such a rule breaker, and Kirk, you know, uh, no prime directive, and you know, whatnot." There's a beautiful episode where the Federation is projected to fall. There's a war going on within months, and they haven't, you know, put that out there. And Benjamin Sisko has to make a decision to to basically lie, cheat, and steal to bring the Romulans into the war. Otherwise the Federation, the Klingon empire will fall. Mm-hmm. And he, he's explaining, you know, the rationale, why he shouldn't do it, why he should do it. And ultimately he says, I did do it. And I'm erasing this log. And, and it's like, whoa, you know, that it, it, it has gravity, you know, yeah. that he made and, and the conflict that, yeah, you know, he had to wrestle with. Um, that was uh, in the pale moonlight, where he, moonlight. he he basically lets Garrick go through with the murder of some Romulans. Yeah, to pull the Romulans. Into the, and and but the thing is that we've never seen any of our other Star Trek characters put into that kind of situation. So would Kirk, would Kirk have done it? Would Picard? Have, you know, we don't really know. But yeah. That was, I remember sitting there after that episode ended and just sitting on the couch and not like my jaw had dropped. I didn't know what to think. And for a while, I didn't know what to think about Cisco. I was like, yeah. how did, how could he do that? But then, you know, what else was he going to do? So right. it, it made you think. It, it did. It did. And, and there, the, you know, Kira had some of the best stories mm-hmm. um, of any Star Trek character. And, you know, a testament to the writing, even even the Ferengi had some good episodes. But you know what? We need to do a Deep Space Nine episode. <laughs> we need to get into our number one. Picks. Number one. And we're going to switch things up a little. We're going to let Bob share his number one before Karen and I share our number one pick. So, Chief, take it away. Well, it's not Star Trek The Next Generation or Star Trek Deep Space Nine. It's Star Blazers. Cue music. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, yes, Star Blazers, aka Space Battleship Yamato. Mm. And to me, there ain't none better. So uh, yeah, it was created by Yoshinobu Nishizaki and Leiji Matsumoto, based on a comic by Leiji Matsumoto, and uh, very very stirring music throughout by Hiroshi oh, Miyagawa. And uh, basically, it follows, you know, if we, let's say we take the first series, and uh, it basically has the Gamelons 
planet bombing the earth mm-hmm. to the point where civilization has moved underground and uh Susumu Kodai uh, aka Derek Wildstar and uh and Venture basically go out and uh, discover this crashed spaceship with a uh with a woman inside who offers them the Cosmo DNA, which allows them to convert the old Japanese battleship, the Yamato, known in Star Blazers, I guess, as the Argo, into basically a spaceship. And they're able to journey out to Iskandar to find the cos- the actual Cosmo DNA to bring back, and it would resuscitate the Earth. And, of course, all the way along the way, they're thwarted on the way by the Gamelons led by leader, leader Deslock. And uh, they went on to spawn other series, movies, remakes, live action film, all the way up through today. They're still <laughs> making them. But uh, the original, when it was first on, didn't do all that great. But uh, they made a compilation film, released uh-huh. it in theaters, and people just lined up around the block to see this thing. And uh, the series came out in 1974. The compilation film was 77, probably to cash in on the Star Wars craze. But uh, that basically, it took off like gangbusters and uh, followed up by a movie, another series, a TV movie, another series, a couple more movies. And it just, it's a it's a phenomenon. And it has had so much influence on Japanese animation, not just in tone and story and style, but uh, yeah, it was is one of the very first Japanese animated series to have a continuing story throughout the series, rather than just episodic adventures. Uh-huh. And uh, it spawned other spinoffs from Matsumoto, like Captain Harlock and Galaxy Express Nine 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 and. Queen Millennia and all these, but um, but Star Blazer slash Yamato was the classic, and uh, to me was my favorite of all the sci-fi TV series. Excellent pick. Chief. We now return you to your Star Trek adventures. <laughs> That's our only animated show. I mean, because Captain Scarlet's the marionettes, so it right. doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's good. At least we have some variety. Well, as as Bob uh, said, uh, we're going to go back to our Star Trek uh, episode. Uh, I mean, uh, a number one uh, pick for Karen and myself. You want want me to count you down? You can say it in unison. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One, two, three. Star Trek. On and NBC. That's right. Friday this nights when no one's anim- watching. <laughs> not the animated series. That had no Walter. This this series had Walter uh, in it. Um, I mean, what can I say? Uh, one of the, not criteria, but one of the things I looked at in my list is the influence that the show had on my uh on my life. I mean, you know, I, I go back, it's like comfort food and I'll go back and watch these episodes or some of the newer stuff really brought some emotions, you know, whether it was happiness or sadness, but Star Trek, I've quoted 
endlessly. I mean, deciding whether or not to to marry my wife. You know, I would have conversations with my buddy Karen. It's like risk, risk. It's our job. It's like yeah, but what if she says no? You know, um, you know, Bill Shatner is just an institution onto himself. Going to the Star Trek conventions. Um, you know, I remember uh, Leonard Nimoy was going to come to a show in San Francisco, and I was talking to Bob, and and Bob, I was like, well, he he's like, are you going to go to the show in, in Alameda? Streffen's putting it on with, um, I think it was Tom. Uh, but anyway, it was uh, Return to, what was the documentary? Return to SpaceCon. SpaceCon, Return to SpaceCon. And, and Bob convinced me, well, you know, you should support the local you know, Yahoo's not the big, you know, rich Leonard Nimoy, you know. And and so I, I went and just so much fun and, you know, the people that I've met around Star Trek and, and you know, my mother introduced, I told the story, my mother introduced me to Star Trek as a young, you know, so I family watched it and these episodes still hold up today and, you know, if we, we did the deserted planet episode this would most certainly be one of the series that i could watch forever uh walker please uh, chime in here on on your uh pick for star trek as your number one you know i'm, I'm gonna say something here too folks we didn't talk about this before I, I may get shot down but i think we should every year for the next three years do a season one season two season three planet eight episode around each season of Star Trek. I'm just, just going to throw it out there. Anyway, Karen, please. Bob might die <laughs> if we did that. I don't know. I, <laughs> we already yeah, heard the gun go off. He's not a big fan of all the Star Trek love around here. No, no I mean, I like no. The, you know, the original series is fine. But yeah, I just, anything after Next Generation, I kind of fall asleep. <laughs> that being said, yeah, as Larry said, I, I don't think anything has had well no tv show has had as much influence on me as star trek i mean i i kind of look at like well what were those things in my formative years other than my parents of course i would like to give them <laughs> right. I, I might want to give them some credit but you know star trek was really they were never on a tv show they were never on a tv show but you know they were uh they were pretty potent when they uh had some idea in their head um yeah, you know, Star Trek was was there. Um, certainly, you know, like Marvel Comics was a big impact in my life as a little kid. Planet of the Apes was a big deal before Star Wars. But as far as consistency in my life, you know, Star Trek has always been a thing that's been there. And, you know, it's something like at least once a day I will think about Star Trek, if not right. more than once. It's something there. And I go back to the original series and... I can watch episodes over and catch things I never saw before. And, you know, it's just, it's hard to rank, even though I think like Deep Space Nine has probably better stories, more complex characters and things like that. Um, the original just has a special magic to it. I know Bob mentioned the characters mm -hmm. and being like maybe the best ensemble, you know, and they really had a great, and especially at threesome, it's really hard to beat that that group of three and it really it makes me want to go out and, and just thrash these people that and i'm not going to name names or ages <laughs> but there are certain groups of people that whenever they refer to the original series always refer to it as campy or kitschy or whatever it's like 
it, you know, they seem to not have the ability to put things into context, right? And so they look at it and they say, oh, it's cheap or, oh, it, you know, they chatter over acts. It's like yeah. they were trying to put across these things on the budget they had and do the best job they did. Yeah. They could do right, and they, they did a good job. So, yeah, it's it's Star Trek for me. That's Star Trek. And I guess that's that's our list, right? That's our list. Congratulations, everybody. Yeah, we did it. We made it through <laughs> under five hours. It was pretty now, quick, actually. How about, how about those honorable mentions, though? Chief, why don't you lead us off with some honorable mentions? Oh, uh, man. Well, yeah, it's funny because I originally had Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea at number 10, mm. and I switched it out for Firefly. But, uh, yeah, no, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea could have made it. Any of the Irwin Allen shows, Time Tunnel, Land of the Giants, any of those could have made it. Um, any of the Jerry Anderson stuff could have made it. Like, like I yeah. mentioned before, uh, Fireball XL5 should be up there. Thunderbirds should be up there. Although, I don't know if Thunderbirds is really science fiction. And that was really kind of what I really had to wrestle with on this on this list. Like, you know, what is mm -hmm. science fiction? Because I could easily say, well... Ultraman is science fiction, and I can have a whole list of Ultraman and Space Giants and Johnny Sacco and Spectre Man and whatever, but... I wouldn't have said no if you did that. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I tried to stick with what I thought was more kind of, I don't know, hardcore, I guess, science fiction. Uh, the Invaders made the uh, mm -hmm. almost list. Six yeah. Million Dollar Man was on the almost list. Oh, and, I'm surprised uh, the Orville didn't make it. The Orville either. is also oh. on the on the almost list. Mm. I'm kind of you know back and forth whether I should have put it on the top ten, but mm -hmm. um, it's bubbling closely under. <laughs> All right, well, Karen, uh, you have some honorable mentions. Oh yeah, so I think I already mentioned UFO. UFO kept flopping mm -hmm. in and out of the list. I kept putting it in and out, and I. I don't know. I think it's just because I, I don't feel like um, maybe I had a strong enough connection emotionally. I, I, I enjoy it and I will sit down and watch it, but I was kind of like, mm, I don't know. I got And then I was like Space 1999 and UFO. And, I, you know, finally I just said, I'm, I'll do Space 1999 and UFO is honorable mention. And I also was thinking about the invaders. Um that's a show I like, but I haven't seen in a long time. And I actually got a um, Blu-ray set of that at Christmas that I have yet to sit down and watch. And, mm -hmm. and that, that bopped in and out of the list. But Stay I didn't. tuned for an episode soon. <laughs> On the Invaders, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, Martin again, it's production. a UFO thing. And I thought it And uh, Mandalorian, I thought about putting on the list. But I think I need maybe another season or so to kind of decide if that's gonna make my 10 i mean you know we could do this in a year and probably the last five places could move around so uh, we'll see true true well uh I, I had star blazers lost in space and space giants and i wrestled with you know pulling like six million dollar man out or or red dwarf but again it was shows that i think about frequently go back and watch frequently um, but yeah, um, uh, an honorable mention of a recent show, like recent, like there's only two episodes out right now. This is on HBO max, the last of us and Pedro Pascal stars in this. Um, I can't think of the actress's name. Um, she was on fringe. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, and there's another good show we could have talked about. But the the cool thing about The Last of Us is, and I love movies and TV shows that are like this, is that there are no sacred cows. Um, Walking Dead was this way. Uh, oh, oh, so and so is the main character. Uh, well, they died that episode and it's like whoa you'd never see kirk spock and mccoy go on an away mission and them come back without kirk spock or mccoy you know the whole concept of the red shirt all three of them died though at one point or another in the original series well but they come back you know well technicality in in the last of us i'm not going to spoil anything but you may think someone's going to survive and Nope. Anyway, so so that's I I love series that are ballsy that way, and uh, and so far I'm really digging that. So moving right along to keep this under five hours, we are going to get into our sensor sweep. But before the sensor sweep, Karen has some uh, news to share with our listeners. Walker, take it away. Hey, thanks, Larry. Yeah, I just wanted to throw out a plug here for my friend Billy D's uh, podcast, Magazines and Monsters. A little while ago, he and I recorded an episode where we talked about the great hammer film, The Devil Rides Out. Ooh, that's a good oh, one. Yeah, it's very good with uh, Christopher Lee actually playing the hero in that movie. So, um by the time this show comes out, his episode should already be out. He's he's going to be releasing that February third, so keep your uh, keep your eyes out for magazines and monsters and uh, give it a check. Um, he's done a lot of really good episodes lately. Also, looking at um, him and his guests looking at old Marvel horror comics like Tomb mm-hmm. of Dracula and Werewolf by Night. Um, so those are a lot of fun too. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you, Walker. The censor sweep this episode goes to yours truly. Um, recently, I picked up a Galactus the Devourer premium colossal figure. And this is put out by the fine folks at HeroClix. You can find them at HeroClix.com. Back in the day, Karen and I with some friends would play Hero Clicks and it's Oh like my little, god. <laughs> little figures. And it, it's a combination of like dice and 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 uh, cards and, and maneuvering and there's this map and you have DC figures, Marvel figures, heroes and, and whatnot. So the box reads here, the devourer of worlds draws near. As Galactus's hunger grows, his next target is revealed. The Hero Clicks tabletop. I just thought that was kind of cute. Um, this guy, I don't know how tall he stands, but he's a big one. And um, he is uh, available at your brick-and-mortar comic book stores, toy stores. He's online. I mean, Amazon has everything, so you can go out there. But I've yet to play a game with uh, Galactus involved. God bless Jasmine. You know, she... I'll ask her to watch this movie and that movie and TV show, and now I'm talking her into playing Hero Clicks. Mm. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I hope I hope uh, none of your games with her are as contentious as some of our. Oh games. my God! I know. Well, we'll we'll have a bottle of wine uh, at the tabletop. The old tabletop with Karen, we had brownies and we had a lot of sugar high going on. So. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? 
we'd, we'd play with a friend who had no concept of, you know, Spider-Man's relationship with the Fantastic Four and Batman's relationship with Wonder Woman. And she would just put people together based on on the numbers and the kind of damage they could do. And it's like or how they looked. Yeah. Or how they looked. It's like the Riddler's not going to join up with Spider-Man. What the hell? Anyway. So uh, that is the censor sweep. And my friends, this brings us to the end of yet another Planet 8 episode. Your intrepid crew is very happy to have you guys listening to our episodes. Uh, please share with your friends. Visit our social media sites. Stay safe. Take care of each other. Until we meet again, peace out. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8, signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end.